the reason I'm telling this story is because he sent, he's, I think he was about 12 or th- I think he's 13, 14. Um, him and his mom both sent us DMs on Thanksgiving day telling me that he, for his school project of like what you were thankful for, like put us down because like legitimately, you know, I mean, he was the coolest kid in school for, I mean, the kid was on Bleacher Report and Complex, you know, like it doesn't get better than that. This week on the Young and Dumb podcast, we have Lee Levine. Lee got his start on the big screen. He works for a company called 15 Seconds of Fame, was revolutionized fandom and virality at pro sporting events by working hand in hand with the Jumbotron. With the help of the 15 Seconds of Fame app, if the Jumbotron ever picks up your image and plays it on the big screen, you could download the footage and post it on Instagram. So this week, we go Jumbo with Lee. Lee is a part of the team at 15 Seconds of Fame. So with that, we had to give him the word Jumbo. Jovial. You know those moments when you're at an event and you're jumping around like no one is looking? Then the big screen catches you. This is what Lee lives for, and with 15 Seconds of Fame, you get to own that content. Utility. This app actually has a purpose, not just another app that sits on your phone and you never touch it. If you go to events often, it's a must-have. Macro. Lee and his team aren't thinking your regular state events. They already have deals with leagues like the NBA, NFL, and even more. Boundless. Lee didn't always work at 15 Seconds of Fame, but he never stopped networking, and that's how he got the job. His friends needed someone to run their digital business, and Lee was that man. Original. Everyone who has a social media page seems to be a digital expert, but Lee is one that lives up to his role. 15 Seconds of Fame is now verified and up to 47,000 followers on Instagram. This week, we get on the jumbo screen with Lee. What's going on, everyone? It's your favorite co-host from the East Coast. Back at it again, Justin and Gary, back with another episode of the Young and Dumb podcast, up to episode number 96, getting ever so close to that 100 mark. Stick around with us. You don't want to miss it. But for today, we are switching coasts, heading west, and we are checking out our friend Lee, who has his 15 seconds of fame lasting for years and years and years. And we're going to get right into it. Lee, say what's up for the to the people. What's up, everybody? Good to be here. And we have a lot to get into the get into today it's going to last a little longer than 15 seconds i hope you're okay with that uh so let us know what you're getting into right now and what are you doing yeah so um at 15 seconds of fame i'm the director of digital strategy um my one year anniversary is next week so um things have been moving quickly it feels like i've been here a lot longer than that uh we just moved the company from manhattan to new york city to uh sunny los angeles we're based in santa monica now um, really our quick story is we created an app that will deliver fans, um, or anyone attending a live event, their moments of fame. So what that means is if you're attending, whether it's a sporting event or a concert, or if you're on the today show one day, um, what we do is we provide fans who appear on camera, their video moments. So you download our app, you take a selfie. You register or sign into any single event that you're attending, whether if that's a Knicks game or a Dodgers game. And if you appear on either of the 
Jumbotron or the live television broadcast, that video of you will be delivered to you through our app right after the game. That's amazing because I feel like that's that's the special moment that people kind of pay for, but they don't necessarily get. And especially when you're at the event and you're seen on live TV, unless someone's recording it, you're probably never going to really see it. Um, but yeah. so I guess you guys are providing that that value to these uh, to these fans. With that, how did how did 15 Seconds of Fame get started? How did you find them? How did give us the origin story? Yeah, so the origin story um, is a little before my tenure here, um, but one of the founders, um, who was a friend of mine before I, I came on board this way, um, was at a World Series game. Um, he's at a World Series game entertaining some clients. They had some really good seats, and his wife started texting him being like, hey, I see you on TV. Like, I see you on TV. And um, she ended up texting him photos of him on TV. So it's a picture of you know, their household television and him on it, right? And he just thought it's a little strange, and this was about 2016 at the time, it's a little strange in this day and age where, you know, what technology is today where people are taking a million selfies at games and, you know, sharing and uploading all this personalized content that it's weird that the leagues or the teams um, or the world didn't have a way to deliver this content back to the fans. And these are extremely special moments that whether it's, you know, for a nostalgic reason, like who you're at the game with and the moments that you're sharing, or if it's for, you know, the narcissistic reasons of, <laughs> you know, people want to, you know, show, um, which is all good. It's weird that that content wasn't available when it's, you know, of you. So how do we figure out a way to seamlessly deliver this content back to fans? And it's a really interesting value, value proposition, not only to our everyday users of the app because they're receiving unique content, but it's great because for the leagues and the teams, you know, they're getting the added media impressions or, you know, these teams are now becoming part of the lives of their fans in a really unique way. That's interesting. So walk me through if I'm a, a customer and say I'm a fan, and I go to a game, right? How does the app work? Do I have to pay for it? Do I have to sign up? What do I have to do to be able to like see this video if I ever do end up popping on the Jumbotron or whatever it may be? Yeah, so completely free app. Um, we, everything's free for our customers. And so it, it's great if you've downloaded our app um, before the event that you're attending, but it's not needed. Um, one of the things that are actually really cool about our app is if you found out about us today, right? Like some of your listeners are finding out about us today. If they were to download the app and check into any of the events that we work with that they had attended, you know, upwards of, you know, a year ago, if they appeared on camera, we will still deliver that video to them. So you download the app, you take a selfie, you'll see an event screen, um, either you know upcoming or past, and any event that you have attended, if you check, check in and we will basically find you, we'll filter all of the feed for you and deliver you that video. Um, once you receive your fame, you'll get that push notification, you know, you've received fame, and then you're also seamlessly able to upload that video to your, um, you know, whether if it's your Instagram channel, your Facebook channel, YouTube, et cetera, um, we really want, you know, folks to share this with, you know, where their network is and where their platforms are. Um, because of course you want to tell everyone that you were just on the Jumbotron last night. That's, that's incredible. And it's interesting to see that once I used to go to park ballparks or basketball games and i'd be like oh like i'd tell my friends i was on the jumbotron and you know you'll get that backlash like i ah, know you weren't like 
you weren't even there. You can't. Now we have like physical evidence, physical proof uh, that we were there. And that I think that's incredible that you've actually found a way to unite, um, I guess, patrons when they go to games to have this souvenir in their back pocket to show their friends, show their family. It's like, you know, when you ride a ride at Disneyland, you can take that picture on the ride and you have that in your back pocket. It's like that physical proof that you yeah. actually did it. You went through it. Like it's well, it's nice to have that. Gram, did it happen? No, it's, it's at, it in this matter. day and age. Exactly. So you know, and and when you take it to next level, and you know, I think that you know where where we go from it. I can only fans are super entertaining now. I mean, really, within my role, it's sort of to ultimately help tell the story of what we're doing and show all these brands and the world. You know, especially like, let's say if. You know, you checked out our Instagram, right? Um, at 15SOF, um, you know, a little plug for our Instagram there. But basically the point of what we're doing there is really showing the fan experience in a unique way um, because everyone understands that point of view. Um, and we really felt that that story wasn't being told. So fans are, are entertaining every single night, which you'll see, you know, in some of the videos that we're sharing. But I think it gets really interesting once sort of the world's finds out about us a little more. So now, you know, like if Gary goes to a game, he knows, hey, if I get on the Jumbotron tonight at the Magic game, I'm going to be able to get that video. So how crazy do I want to be? What, you know, do I have something up my sleeve? You know, things of that nature. I think it becomes a really interesting perspective of what we do once, you know, potential content creators like yourselves start coming to these events to create content. And it's some of the most exclusive content that you could, you know, create for oneself. And it's interesting that I've I've seen a lot of the because I, I follow a lot of different Instagram accounts that often have um, highlight feeds from sporting events and they're usually not of um, athletes they're of the fans and what they do in the stands um, and it's something that's become increasingly popular on my Instagram feed um, over the past couple years and that leads me to the question do you think it's that the fans, the, the, the virality of the fans has increased or is it that we're just finding out about um, all the different things that fans do at the stadiums? I think it's been, you know, it's always been there, right? Um, it, you know, since the first camera was at a game, you know, fans have been captured on camera. I just think it was sort of the uncovered rock. I mean, everyone's just, you know, with ha everyone's just trying to figure out, you know, new content, new content, new content. And, you know, that's something that actually like, we're doing right now for, all of, our, for our, all of our partners and all the license holders, right? They have upwards of, let's say, 30 minutes a game that's not televised, that has no way to leave the building, right? So now with 15 Seconds of Fame, the licensors have a, a really a, a solution at scale to distribute this content to the masses. Um, I know that's sort of a little off your question, but, um, you know, really where your question lies is, I think everyone kept trying to do things more like, hey, what's another way that we can engage with our audiences, right? And I, I think that just recently they've tapped into the fan aspect of it, um, whether if we were first, I don't know, but um, the f and then the data speaks for itself. I mean, there's some posts that, um, you know, we've posted or we've seen on obviously like House of Highlights or Bleacher or Complex of, you know, fan moments and the engagement is there. So once, you know, it becomes a data-driven tool of, yo, like, you know, people are really engaging in the view metrics and the explore metrics, whatever they are, um, you know, are doing well, they just want to pump more of it into the stream. So 
I think it's really made a turn in the last, you know, six to eight months that you're going to start seeing a lot more fans. Um, and rightfully so, because that's who we are. I think that's who we can relate the most to. Like, it's awesome seeing LeBron highlights. It's awesome seeing, you know, people do things that we can never really imagine ourselves do. But I think it's also really unique and special to see, um, you know, things that we can, as everyday people, relate to at a, in an extreme fun level. No, definitely. And it's it seems from my perspective that everybody wins in this, right? You you guys as a company win because obviously these teams want this technology to help out their fans and then the fans win because they get to bring home this memory and it just seems a win-win especially from the digital strategy side everybody wants to go viral and this is not real this doesn't put any real effort for the person to go viral so to say they just have to be themselves so my question is yeah let me just interrupt you gary for yeah, one yeah. it just reminded me of something um so one of our users from a nets game um we posted we posted him um this was like two weeks ago and then he ended up on bleacher report and then he ended up on complex and the reason i'm telling this story is because he sent he's i think he was about 12 or i think he's 13 14 um him and his mom both sent us dms on thanksgiving day telling me that he for his school project of like what you were thankful for like put us down because like legitimately, you know, I mean, he was the coolest kid in school for, you know, <laughs> I mean, the kid was on Bleacher Report and Complex, you know, like it doesn't get better than that. Um, so yeah, it doesn't take much. You know, he was just being himself. He showed up to the game, camera got on him. He had some great dance moves. Um, we delivered him that clip. We posted it on our Instagram and the rest is history. And, you know, he's, uh, he's a fan of ours and he's a fan of the Nets for life. That's amazing, man. And I'm sure you guys have plenty of stories just like that. And you guys are going to have so many more as your platform begins to grow and grow and grow. But so back to my question, I, it seems like a win-win for everybody, but I know that there had to be some sort of problems um, starting up the company and then growing to what it is today. Uh, can you elaborate on some of that, especially from like the digital side and how you guys were able to navigate through it? Yeah, well, from the business, the two things that jump out is, is one, you know, I, I think I mentioned to you earlier when we first got on, you know, the company was founded in 2015. And, and why are people starting to hear about us now? I think that building the technology of like, how is this going to work, right? How are we going to really get this technology to recognize people in a way that in a timely fashion, this content's delivered? So there was a lot of work in building, you know, the right technology. Um, so that was probably the biggest hurdle, right? The second hurdle, um, as you know, which is really uh, you know popular now, is privacy, right? Everything that's going on with Facebook, I mean, privacy and, and data is is huge. So we also needed to figure out, hey, what's the best way, um, you know, for people to be comfortable with using a biometric technology for everyday use, right? Um, so we're using, you know, a Obviously, facial is a part of it. I mean, I think that's obvious that a lot of people get into it, but you know, there is some other you know biometric software in there. So I think that's another hurdle, right? And that's just more of a a PR thing. Of I think that you know now that new iPhones are are you're using facial already is is a big step in the right direction for us. But I think that was a hurdle, right? Um, you know, getting people comfortable with using a new technology is always a little. There's always a little lag, right? And 
um, we always also want to always feel comfortable with data. So we're very careful and we lay it out in a really sim you know, simple way, straightforward way through our registration process to let everyone know that your data is protected, that we're not sharing your data, um, that we're solely using your likeness to help deliver content back to you. So those are the first few things that come to mind. Um, when you mentioned like, hey, what were some initial struggles and things that we really had to think intelligently about to make sure that, um, you know, sort of everyone felt safe and, and, and good and, you know, about this process in which we're, you know, delivering content back to fans. We want that warmy feeling because it's really all about, um, you know, our users and, you know, making, have them have, them have the best experience uh, possible. And, and going off of the, the users, I, I understand that, especially with the 13-year-old the kid who went to the, the Nets game um, and became a huge fan, a lot of what your, uh, your app did was build that relationship, not only with yourselves um, and with media in general, but with the team as well. Um, and I think that's something that's really unique and genuine with an app um, without uh, – not directly, indirectly um, – by using the app, you're building a relationship. You don't, it doesn't need to be a, a follow-up like, hey, like, why didn't you buy my product? Or what do we need to fix on our website? Um, for most people, it's just like, you use my app, you gain something from it, and it brought you to a new level of recognition um, that you are seeking. Now we have this established relationship uh, because of that. And I think that's something unique and genuine Um that's really cool with your app. But saying that, beyond the technology um, and the convenience of the app, what exactly sets you guys apart from everyone else? Why should everyone download uh, 15 Seconds of Fame? Well, the ultimate value proposition, um, you know, really is we are the only way that you can receive this content. So um, whether if it's because we, you know, have the patents around it or, you know, if you want to get into that part of our business, but realistically, you know, we are the only solution. I mean, you can look at it from different, there because there are different stakeholders, right? There's the users, there's the licensors, there are potential brands and advertisers that want to get involved in this type of stuff. But, you know, our, our sort of, you know, main conversation with all these licensors who are, you know, super excited to get involved with it is, is just that we are now a solution for you to distribute content at scale. We're sort of a new medium, right? Because, you know, they'll go out or, you know, all these leagues and teams, they go out and they sell their content to television providers for millions, right? And then those television providers, you know, sell advertising against it. And that's, and that's their business model that they've built, right? But the fans, the Jumbotron footage, you know, specifically, right has always remained in venue to you know if you're talking about an nba arena if it sells out you're talking 18,000 people if it's a nfl arena you're talking you know 50,000 people right but you're limited to that group we have really provided a solution for all that footage that you're you're covering for an entirety of a game which could be upwards of 30 minutes we're now a distribution channel at scale for them so i think that is the most unique thing for the licensors to get involved the most unique thing for a user is, again, it, if if you get on camera, which um, I have recently, and I don't know if I don't know if you have, um, it's something you want. You know, it, it's just one of those things that whether if you end up sharing it or not, it's like, you know, it's always like, here was me at this game, um, and especially when we have conversations with some of our users who it's like parents who are there with their kids or 
you know, my girlfriend who ended up being my wife or, you know, my grandfather right before he passed away. There are so many moments like that, um, that, you know, we just had stories. And then recently, you know, in the last, you know, eight years, now we have camera phones. It's like, oh, now I have a photo. But like, if you appear on camera, that content is yours. You should be delivered it. It's owed to you as a fan. Um, and we just want to make sure that we we complete that transaction. Yeah, I get that. So with I want to dive into the nitty gritty of what you do from the digital side of things. People yep. might look at it and say like, oh, it's kind of you have an easier job because these pieces of content go viral on themselves. But I know that digital marketing and just digital strategy in general is very hard as it is. So how are you guys marketing? How are you guys? How do you guys find a niche? Because I guess you guys are marketing to kind of everybody who's a fan, so to say. So how are you guys segmenting everything and going about it that way? Yeah. Um, so one of the most uh, effective ways that we've found to market is utilizing our team partnerships. Um, like like anyone, you know, um, who has, you know, new customers there, there are people who are, you know, fully on board and there are people who understand the value but are maybe a little hesitant. And we have luckily a lot of really great partners who are, you know, totally on board with, um, with doing this. And with that, they are receptive to, you know, our team, our digital team will, will send them moments that we've delivered to their fans, you know, during the, after that game and they'll share that socially. So you'll see a lot of the other team partners start sharing our content more and more to create awareness about our app. Um, our teams also typically give us uh, Jumbotron ads during the game. So whether if that's like a lower third during a dance cam or that's just a, a larger ad during the game, you know, there will be that call to action. Like, hey, if you appear on the Jumbotron tonight, you know, download 15 seconds of fame um, for your video, right? So I think one of the most effective ways is because, you know, sort of fish in a barrel, if we are targeting the people who are at the event, has been one of our more um more direct ways, uh, direct to consumer ways that we've been doing it. Um, other ways are, are building out our social channels. Um, so, you know, when we started or when I came on um, is really when we started signing our first couple of licensing deals. I mean, it was, it's not that I did it, um, but it was, they were getting done and it was, hey, we are now ready to, you know, now that we have licensing deals, we have content to deliver. So how do we bring that to market? So we want to keep telling that story and build up our, you know, whether if it's our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, et cetera, any type of outlet um, to continue telling that story and create awareness. And then honestly, like Facebook and Facebook and Instagram advertising have been tremendous. I'm sure that's potentially an answer you're hearing from a lot of um, young entrepreneurs in that they're seeing a, a tremendous return. I think that, um, you know, it, it goes specifically, you know, just the thing of advice with Facebook and, and, and Twitter advertising, because I know that the market's finally shifted in that. I mean, like you, it's sort of obvious, right? Like, hey, it's probably a good return. But now more than ever, because it's getting so saturated that people are coming into that platform and advertising, the creative is so important. So I think it really took us a little time um to create the right ad and fine-tune the right target audience um it, it, you know it was surprising you know for us it wasn't as simple as just utilizing one of these fan moments and let's say if it was a lakers moment targeting los angeles lakers fans with that moment we thought that would do it it didn't do it um and we had to just sort of go back and fine-tune it and do some things there so i think that for anyone out there who's looking to um 
you know, whether if it's get someone to download their app or get someone to their website, I still think that they're, that is the best thing um, that a lot of people are waking up about. But I believe now more than ever, the type of creative that you're creating um, is, is that important um, to see the returns you might've seen two years ago. So I would say, make sure that you find a, whatever it's a good video editor, a good graphic designer, um, and, you know, if you're not, you know, the idea person, but you know how to execute on Facebook ads, you know, find an idea, creative person. Uh, I think that's what's super important. Um, and just recently, a couple of ads that we've been running the last month or so around the NBA season, we've sort of seen a turn, um, in, in driving some more downloads and some awareness, which is really exciting for our business. That's dope. So let me, let me ask this, this follow-up question. Um, we've gotten into like the marketing side of things and we've seen how you've uh, used uh, different marketing tools to reach your customers, but on a more business to business side and changing the, I guess the stigma with uh, the big privacy um, uh, crisis, I'd, I'd say right now, how did you change that stigma um, by letting uh, communicating to different conglomerates, such large conglomerates such as your basketball teams, to allow uh, your team to go into their stadiums and use their content um, and distribute that publicly. Um, so, is your question about how um a, like our digital team is is using um, like NBA content to create awareness, or is your question about like how did you know, how is the NBA ultimately, or any league, right? I'm just using the NBA as an example. How is any league okay with, hey, we're going to input your biometric technology into our stadiums? And yeah. It's basically getting into the, the stadium. I mean, working with such large um, corporations and such large teams with um, a lot of different moving pieces, how did you get your way into that stadium and basically work your way up from there? Yep. So that, that first step. So one of the things that, you know, obviously, as you brought up that I mentioned earlier about like privacy being like a huge hurdle and and, and it is right. We wanted to respect everyone's privacy. So um, our chairman of the board, um, a guy by the name of Bruce Cohen, uh, wrote some of the privacy laws on the Senate Judiciary Committee. So we brought in like the top person as far as, you know, privacy in this country is concerned. Um, and. You know, I'm not the lawyer, I'm not our general counsel, but um, where, where really that conversation has gotten past everyone, right? We, we have deals with the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, the, um, the NFL. Um, we've done things like the Super Bowl. We've done the NCAA Final Four. Hopefully we're going to do all of March Madness this year. We've done music festivals like Lollapalooza. Um, so my point with that is not only to tell your audience like sort of where we are and where they can expect to receive their content, but that all of these entities have, have given us a passing grade and it's ultimately, um, obviously they have a lot of lawyers, um, that have gone through it in the nitty gritty to make sure that we're doing right. Um, you know, not only by our users, which we have a, a responsibility, um, but ultimately by their consumers and their fans. So um, it's always at top of mind for us. And that's why, again, through our registration process, we want to let everyone know like, hey, yes, we have to use your likeness. It's the only way we're going to deliver your content. But, um, you know, we promise you that we're going to use it for, uh, you know, what you're agreeing to. Yeah. So to, I mean, that's great legal stuff. I don't really understand it. Let's just be real. I don't and really understand much of it either, man. It's, it's sort of a talking track I hear in sales meetings. Like, I know who Bruce is. He's a great dude. He wrote a lot of our legal parts. Um, but yeah, the, the leagues and the teams have uh, 
some some very very um, intelligent high priced attorneys that have given us obviously a, a passing grade. Um, so I think that speaks for itself when anyone's curious about how we're treating privacy. Most definitely. So just switching off to a little bit of a more fun note, what has been your most memorable moment working? Because I'm sure you have had many with this type of product that you've got. What has been your favorite so far? Um, so my most memorable moment so far as an employee, um, other than, uh, you know, my first day at work and, and really wanting to, to join the team here was probably it was March 9th of 2018. I know, I know the date. Um, we, I had started in December, so I was just, you know, we're very, our team was very, I got our team very Instagram focused. Um, I think for obvious reasons, I don't think I need to explain that to your audience, but I think we had, you know, maybe 7,000 followers at that time. It's like, okay, we started our Instagram in December. We're up to 7,000 followers. Um, and I posted one moment during a heat game, um, where I don't know if you guys have seen it. Stop me if you have, because I would love to hear if you have, but it was a heat game. And, um, this, this guy goes to kiss his girlfriend and she just gives him one of these. And it was, yeah, epic. I remember seeing this. It was, it was epic. I remember that as well. Um, so it was totally epic. And it was the first time like whistle sports shared it. And I was like, Oh, thanks so much. Like, this is great. Like they shared it. And then I saw it on a few other accounts and then we went out to dinner um that night we had like a work dinner and all of a sudden my notifications are just going haywire and then i start getting text messages from my buddies um like uh house of highlights just reposted um our video so um at an early time i think you know i was still trying to prove like my thesis of how i conditioned our digital team basically you know a lot of people who come in it's all about our app right everyone you know download the app download the app download the app is sort of what you want to get out there but i took it from a standpoint of hey we really need to start providing value to our audience first and we basically stopped asking you know for anything and just wanted to give 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 to our audience and um you know getting to a point where uh you know very early in what i was trying to accomplish uh you know to have house of highlights share a moment and obviously the type of traffic and attention it drove to us and the type of friends we were able to make from um you know socially uh with with that relationship um you know that was a really good day uh that was a really good day at work and and I can imagine only imagine what it's like to have your content reposted by House of Highlights. Uh, I mean, I'm still remember seeing that it's incredible. And I want to take this moment to use this to transition and look back at your entire journey, um, further back than March 9th, further back from when you started with the company, but where you feel like your journey originates. And I want to take that journey and turn it into a loading bar. Yeah. So from zero to a hundred percent, where do you feel like you are right now on your loading bar? Oh man. Uh, I, so I will be 32 next week or next week. The sixth is my birthday. Um, so I, I still feel like it's early. Um, I still feel like it's early, but, but when you're asking me to reflect on, you know, what, what's soon to be 32 years, um, you know, sort of my quick story is, uh, honestly, I, I think a lot of business relates to sports. I mean, it's weird that I'm sort of in the sports industry. I mean, we think, you know, we're in tech, but but um, I grew up as a competitive golfer. Um, so I played golf all around the country, played in a U.S. amateur in 2008. Um, golf was always really important to me. But ultimately what I'm getting at is I think athletes sort of um, have a, 
a leap ahead of a lot of people these days because in order to be successful, there really are no shortcuts. So you earn, you learn the, the necessities of a good day's work and, and what it means to actually, you know, move towards goals. And um, that's why I always personally love interviewing people who were, you know, talented athletes because talent's one thing, but in order to get to a certain level of, of any task, you need to work at it, right? So I think sort of my journey starts there and, and really understanding, you know, how hard one has to work to accomplish certain things. Um, then right out of college, um, I basically, I tried to make it on the PGA tour. Long story short, that didn't really work out. Um, I came back to New York. I got a sales gig. All my friends were, were living in the city. This was probably the first time where I was just you know, my friends are doing this. It's like, I want to go do this. I've been sacrificing, you know, for sports and things of that nature. It's like, I want to go be my friends are. Um, so I took the first job I got, um, which was, you know, a sales gig. I was selling, um, I was selling ad placement and game day sports publications. Like if you go to like, you know, programs, get your programs. Like we were just trying to sell, you know, any local, whether hardware store, whatever, um, into these types of programs. Um, and I was doing, you know, it was sort of like a call center. Like, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm aging myself talking about boiler room, you know? Um, no, but, that's me. I literally work in a call center right now. Completely yeah. get it. So, so that's what it was. I mean, we were making 300 phone calls a day. I had to be on the phone for like four hours. They were occasionally listening to my calls. It was, you know, get there at eight, but you can leave at five, but you only had 30 minutes for lunch at like noon. Um, it was, it was a shock to my system. Um, I knew that I ultimately didn't want to be there very early. Right. Um, as I think most people do in that environment, but I took the standpoint of like anything, what can I learn from this? And ultimately what it did is, um, you know, Hey, if you're making that many cold calls and you're getting decent on the phone, like, yo, I can call anybody, like literally anybody. I mean, they had us, you know, doing some crazy stuff. But um, my point is, is that then I didn't, when I found out about another job, right, which was a company called Tor Golf, which is where I spent eight years uh, before coming to 15 Seconds of Fame. I was still working at this, you know, quote unquote call center, right? And I found out about this job. It was in golf. What they did is they created a network of private country clubs around the country where either an individual or a company could join to this company, Tor Golf, and have access to country clubs all around the country for when they need to entertain clients. And I go, brilliant idea, right? You know, if you're a salesperson that needs to entertain in New York and Boston or Chicago, et cetera, now you have a private country club that you can do that at without the cost of all these memberships. And I go, this is for me. I was at my call center job for maybe 10 months. They were looking for someone with three to five years experience, a Rolodex, I had none of it. Obviously I had a huge golf knowledge, um, golf nerd, um, but I started just emailing the CEO. I was like, yo, like you got to meet with me. I know this, you know, I'm not, I know I'm not qualified. And I gave him like a list, like, the, like honestly, like the balls on me as like a 23 year old kid to give the CEO of a company, a list of things I would change about his business, you know, from just knowing about their business from a website, I still can't believe I did it. Um, but you know, I, I had to take, I had, shoot your shot. Right. So I shot my shot. Um, and then like a day later I got an email back from him. Um, a uh, guy by the name of Dave Kaufman. Dave's a great dude. Dave is now the chief operating officer at Wheels Up, very successful private aviation company. But um, 
Anyway, Dave responds, like, hey, man, happy to get on a phone interview with youth, whatever. So we scheduled a phone interview, went well, came in for a few interviews, and, and they hired me. Um, and this was probably the first time I actually um, made a, a more interesting sacrifice. I had just moved into New York City, and for this job, they were offering me $10,000 less than what I was making at the call center. So I'm 23. Like every 23-year-old, you're broke. Um, and I needed to make a real decision. Hey, is this the right move for me? Even with the, with the short-term financials not making sense. And I'm like, I, I have to, right? I have to change what I'm doing every day, this Groundhog's Day of a call center. Um, and I, and I started there. So I started as a, as a basic, you know, sales executive, like, and what was great about it is I wasn't shy to cold call anybody. Probably my best day at work there is I actually... So my biggest client that I had there when I left uh, was MetLife and the MetLife business that we earned started from a cold call. I called this guy, um, told him sort of what we do. And long story short, we ended up building out a national program for all the MetLife financial advisors around the country. So now 5,000 financial advisors had access to our program. So, and I think that's sort of, and the reason I'm sort of telling that cold call story is I want to make sure for any of the young sales executives or any of the people that are, you know, trying to build a business or build a book of business, if they're working for someone else that I'm telling you now more than ever, cold calls work. It's not the 80s and 90s where they're getting a hundred of them a day. It's a very unique way to engage with people. Um, everyone's, you know, liking to send the cold emails, but emails get lost. Um, if you can find someone's phone number, pick up the phone and dial those numbers. Um, and then that job led me to this one in that, um, the founder, one of the founders who I mentioned earlier, um, I met at a company event. We just became friends. Um, I wanted to start building long-term relationships. This is actually something, um, and I'm sure some of your listeners, and I don't know if you guys, I would assume you are, you know, thinking about a podcaster or tight and understanding like Gary Vaynerchuk and a lot of his messages. Um, you know, I think that, you know, after being at my company, it was seven years at that time. I loved my job, but everyone gets a little, you know, stir crazy. Like, is this right for me? What's my next move? Where is this going? All those questions, which are healthy. Um, you know, Gary mentioned something in one of his, I don't know if it's a podcast video, whatever it was. Um, it was just about adding value, like make friends and add value. Um, just, you know, do because you can expect zero in return, like literally expect zero in return. And I met this individual at, um, at this company event. We became fast friends. We kept talking about his business and we were thinking about ways to market it and bring it to market. Um, the business, of course, is 15 Seconds of Fame. And, um, you know, we were catching up one morning over breakfast. He's like, hey, you know, we just signed this licensing deal and that licensing deal. Um, you know, I really need to bring someone in to sort of, you know, bring this story to market. I, I have some young you know, digital kids, you know, doing some stuff on Twitter, but I, I need a, I need someone to run that because it's getting a little too nuts and I can't manage it. And, um, you know, that opportunity presented itself to me. So, um, that's how I ended up here. So I know that was a very, very long story and I hopefully didn't bore your audience, but, um, that ultimately is sort of my journey. And, uh, you know, um, my one year anniversary is next week here and I couldn't be happier. So if you had to put a number to it, what would you say on your loading bar, um, are you currently? 
So what's this loading bar? Is like 10, is 10 like I'm retiring? Is is 100 I'm retiring? What, whatever what you whatever you want to make it. So start, zero is obviously the beginning, but wherever yep. you feel like the end of that loading bar is, whatever you envision that to be um, is where you want to end up or maybe you never reach it. Uh, it's really up for you to determine. All right, so I'll just say the first number that came into my head, which is like 6.5. Okay, so we're at 6.5%. We have a long way to go before we hit 100. Oh, so you were saying 100? Okay, so then let's go with, we'll go with 60%. Okay, all right, 60% it is. Solid. Solid. We can can definitely work with that. Where are you right now in your loading bar? See, the that's an interesting question. It fluctuates semi daily. Um, it's there's times where I can feel like I'm more towards eight, nine percent, and then I wake up one day and realize everything that I want to do and that I can do, and then I backtrack to four and a half. Um, so it it's really a day to day thing. I definitely wouldn't say there's a day that comes across where I'm past ten, uh, just because I have so much more to give. Um, and there's a lot to be done. Um, it's, it's basically, there's no real end in sight. So um, I can't really say that I'm, I'm, I've hit double digits. Yeah, no, I hear you. And I just hope that that's coming from a place of, um, you know, your, you know, energy to succeed, you know, just in, just in business. Um, I, I hope you're also, obviously, we're all coming from a place, and I, I don't know you too well, right, um, of, of self-awareness, because uh, that was sort of a change for me too, right? Um, I, I want to make sure that I'm saying like 60%, and that's what I'm talking about, is like where I feel like I'm in my career, I have gotten certain opportunities that I want. Um, but I mean, from when you're telling me that like a single digit number, it's like, hey, man, like we're doing this right now, like life ain't too bad. You know, you know, we're, we have an opportunity to sit here and, and speak and, and you, you guys have an audience, um, regardless of how large, how small, I mean, it's unbelievable that people, you know, want to listen to you and learn from you guys. And, um, you know, I just want to make sure that everyone's putting it in the right context when, you, when you're giving me single digits, because um, you guys seem like a great crew with your heads, um, you know, rightly on your shoulders. And I just want to make sure that you're thinking about it in the right way. A hundred percent. It's it's not to to knock us or anything that we're doing. It's just that we um, what we're doing right now. We we're passionate about it. It's something we have invest a lot of time into, um, and it's that we we have calls almost every week where we're like, wow, okay, what direction do we want to go? Um, should we do this? Um, should we just scratch this and take this to a new level? How are we gonna get to um, this simple process like? How do you and Gary decide like, hey, we have this idea, we have that idea. What's that decision process like for you guys? And and is there one guy who ultimately puts his foot down and gets his way? <laughs> so <laughs> right now it's kind of like we, we kind of go. So there's a third, uh, my girlfriend, Michelle. She She's also a part of this too. So shout out Michelle. Shout out to Michelle. So it's kind of all three of us just sitting together, kind of banging all of our heads together like, Hey, how do we figure out how do we market this? How are we going to niche this down? What avenue are we going to take? And we've been kind of up in limbo for the past like month or so because we were trying to figure out if what we're doing is really right. And if it is, should we go down a narrow path or not? Because mentors have reached out to us saying like they really love what we do, but 
it might be quicker to like niche down and attack one niche before trying to like attack the whole education system because ultimately that's our goal is to help younger students especially in high school and in college be able to find themselves easier and not have to spend 40 50 60 thousand dollars a year to find themselves they can listen to a podcast or they can go to our website and find a blueprint that kind of shows them what you can try out now and see if you truly like it rather than just going into debt and then ultimately getting a job that you hate um, after college. And then you lose your passion from there because you have to work because you have debt. And then the cycle just continues and continues and continues. So yeah. that, that's like our ultimate goal. We're just trying to figure out the best way to reach it right now. Yeah, I mean, so your ultimate goal is to help people, right? So I think that anything that you're doing that's on message of that, I mean, that's that's the credo, right, of, of, what, of what your mission is, right? So anything, I don't think there's a bad idea, right? As long as everything that you try and do and taste and, you know, want to explore with your audience, you know, as long as it's in the effort of helping them, then you guys are totally on the right path. Most definitely. Thank you. Appreciate that. So before we ask our last question, where can people find you? Where can they find this amazing app if they're ever at a at any sporting event to, to use yeah. and see themselves? So we are uh, in both app, uh, you know, iTunes Store and Google Play. So Android and iPhone users, uh, please download. Um, if you're going to any event um, in the future, please check into the event. Like I said earlier, if you've uh, attended an event in the past and you're curious if you appeared on camera because you're not sure if you appeared on the TV broadcast, you can still check into those events. Um, and then you can find us on Twitter and or Instagram at at 15SOF at 15SOF. Awesome. I love it. So last question. What is a question that you wish that we asked you? Uh, what I was doing for my birthday. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I, I have some crazy plans. I can't share that on this podcast. Um, what is a question I wish you asked me? Um, what's What's my favorite book gift? Okay, um, well, enlighten us. Yeah, that's 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 one I, I'm stealing from Tim Ferriss. Um, hopefully, you guys are, are tight with with Timmy. Um, he usually asks his guests like, "What's the most popular book you gift?" Um, I recently have been gifting Shoe Dog. Um, it's Phil Knight, the founder of Nike's memoir. Um, I think it's an awesome read. It's obviously it's a little bit of a business book, but it's not very businessy. It's really about his journey, about figuring out exactly sort of what this podcast was about, which is he. It starts off when he graduates Stanford Business School and moves back home in Oregon, and is sort of unsure of what he wants to do and who he is and what the next step in his life is. Um, and obviously everyone knows the, the grandiose Nike story. Um, it, it's super interesting. Um, for those of you who don't really like reading books, don't worry. It's got that big ass Harry Potter print. You're fine. Um, it's an easy read. Uh, can't recommend it enough. Well, Lee, uh, we do appreciate your your book gift. It's something that we will have to keep in in our back pockets uh, for future reference. But I want to take this opportunity to extend a huge get your grind up and young and dumb thank you for coming on the podcast, sharing your story, and dropping some serious knowledge. Much love. Thank you, guys. It's been great. Thanks for having me. No problem. And for our listeners out there, if you want to learn just a little bit more about Lee, hop on our website, getyourgrindup.com, or you can follow us on social Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Get Your Grind Up. We will be back very soon with another episode of the Young and Dumb Podcast. This is your co-host from the East Coast, Justin and Gary, signing out. We are always 
Hmm. What are we? <laughs> always remember, we will always be young and dumb. And never forget, get your grind up. Grind season. See you guys soon. Peace. Peace.